Today, we examine the lives of two great adventurers, one from millennia ago and one down the street and a part of the last century. These two great adventurers, King Solomon of the nation of Israel, Richard Halliburton of the town of Memphis, give us widely different experiences, but much the same conclusion. Once you've seen enough of broken promises, inadequate relationships, things that don't add up to be quite what they seemed, doesn't matter what the horizon is, there's nothing new under the sun. Thankfully, there's another grand adventurer who speaks in our lesson today. His name is Jesus. And he says something quite different. I make all things new. Let's look at the apparent contradiction and see how the gospel resolves the quandary of human existence through the inbreaking of God's power in his incarnation in Christ. Thank you, friend, for joining us at Arlington United. Let's get into it. Last week we talked about closing our eyes and imagining we were in a new car. And we had everybody take a big whiff of that new car smell. Especially if you got leather seats. Man, those new cars, they smell good. But uh, no matter how well you maintain your vehicle, that new car smell doesn't last forever. If you're not careful, you'll have some old water bugger smell in it. Or you might have some Rico's smell in it. If you take your food home, it'll probably smell like good grilled onions and some queso. Um, if you uh, forget and leave your peanut butter and jelly sandwich in there a while, it may smell like penicillin in there. You know, it's just new car smell doesn't last no matter how well you take care of it. And it's not just new car smell that doesn't last. There's a theme written right across the universe that things run down and decay. I try not to be too ugly in my medical practice, but occasionally somebody will ask me, why does my back hurt? Why do my knees hurt? Why do my ankles hurt? Why do my elbows hurt? And if they're not eight years old, usually I'll say something along the lines of, there's a little bit of wear and tear. Sometimes I'll say something, Sister Myers, like, uh, let me see your driver's license, and I'll read them the birth date on it. And uh, that usually, that, that kind of, they either don't come back or they come back forever after I do something like that. We kind of find out what our relationship is. But what I'm getting at is, as we age, we're not, we're not 28 anymore. Alexandra, you're almost to your peak. You're still growing and blooming. I don't mean to disappoint you, though, but after, you know, 10, 20 years from now, uh, you'll still be great. And spiritually, you'll still be growing. But our physical peak for most of us happens sometime in our 20s. Things wear down. You leave something outside in the yard and come back a year later, it won't look the same. Nature has a way of, of there was an African author who said, things fall apart. Things fall apart. Our bodies don't stay 21 years young forever. In athletics, there's a saying that father time is undefeated. 
If you look at Bulls Jordan and Wizards Jordan, for sports fans, there's a difference. They don't call it the suggestion of gravity. They call it the law of gravity. <laughs> and with all due respect to our colleagues over here who are fellow rentors, you can go in there and get a facial every week, but Newton will be served sooner or later. You know, just time has an effect on us all. No matter where you place your hope in this life, if it's contained completely in this world, you're going to wind up disappointed because there's a law of things winding down in this world. It's the law of living under the sun. And the writer of Ecclesiastes has something to say about it. I spent part of the last week in my household reading about the life of Richard Halliburton. Angela, I hope you're listening today. He was born in Brownsville. And Richard is probably the most famous person that's ever come from Brownsville, except for my sisters and my stepmother, I guess. But he, he, was, he was born in Brownsville. And up until Elvis, Richard was probably the most famous Memphian of all time. Now, after the king, we'll have an argument about it. Halliburton was a world celebrity in the 1920s. A lot of people don't know about Richard. His story really hasn't been told. They need to make a movie. Because I guarantee you'd be more interesting than the 33rd episode of the Marvel comic series. <laughs> Richard lived an interesting life. He was born in Brownsville. His father was a timber and farm real estate agent in Memphis. Went to Princeton. A little bit before Princeton became an elite school. He um, was an adventure to world traveler. He had what they call wanderlust in his blood. He just couldn't stay at home. At 19, in fact, he ran away from home, not because he's mad at his parents. He actually left him. He's supposed to take a train to Brownsville, but he took a train to New Orleans. And he wasn't mad at him. He left a letter <clears throat> from New Orleans saying, I'm okay. Nothing's wrong. I just, basically, I got to go. He um, learned to fly a plane. He spent time in Borneo with headhunters, lived among them as a tribesman. He stayed on a deserted island in Tobago for about a month, pretending he was Robinson Crusoe, living off coconuts and palm leaves, I guess. He... Um, Actually flew to Timbuktu. They say, where are you going? I'm going to run away to Timbuktu. He, that's what he did. He flew his airplane across the Sahara Desert to Timbuktu. It's in the 1920s. Other far-from places. He was as famous as Lindbergh and Amelia Earhart in his day. He wrote newspaper articles and magazine articles to earn his living and to fund his trips. He swam the Strait of the Dardanelles in Turkey. He swam the entire length of the Panama Canal as a stunt. He was kind of like Evil Knievel before motorcycles, or didn't ride a motorcycle. He uh, skinny dipped in a pool in front of the Taj Mahal. How about that? He was arrested in Gibraltar. He slept on top of the Great Pyramid at Giza. He was the first human to actually photograph the Taj Mahal and Mount Everest from an airplane. He rode across the Pyrenees on a donkey. And then just a one-up Hannibal, he rode across the Alps on an elephant. Now, in case that sounds easy to you, the Alps always look like we've looked for the last week, but it's at 10,000 feet. After church, I'll tell you a funny story about the Alps and my wife. Our marriage got off to a mountainous start. <laughs> he climbed Mount Fujiyama, Mount Olympus, and the Matterhorn, all in his 20s. 
He gave over 5,000 lectures and wrote several best-selling books. Tragically, Richard died by shipwreck in a typhoon. He had put together a Chinese junk boat in Hong Kong, and he was trying to sail it to San Francisco to the World's Fair. And he was lost at sea, never found. I want you to take a look at Richard on the left and take a look at Richard on the right. There's a difference in those photographs. It's only about 10 years. Exactly. Exactly. What you see is a man who's seen a lot of things under the sun. And though he lived a life that many would envy, and in fact, people all over America, and indeed all over the world, read his correspondence with some of them with jealousy. I'm sure they were boy. He was affiliated with the Boy Scouts. I'm sure that he kept those Boy Scouts every week guessing about his adventures. But after all that was done, it added a lot of lines on his face because experience in this world doesn't always bring wisdom. Sometimes it brings cynicism and discouragement. And if you'll be honest today, there have been some things in your life that can turn you from the confidence that we see on the left into the haggardness that we see on the right. Halliburton lived an idyllic life by many people's standards, and yet what he found was under the sun, things don't always go the way you planned. It sort of reminds me of the writer of our text that Brother Denniston read to us today. Solomon presents his resume of achievements and adventures in Ecclesiastes 2. He starts out by saying there's nothing new under the sun, and by the time he's done with his resume, you recognize that he's qualified to speak. Solomon was a master of comedy, he says. He was a connoisseur of fine wines. He was an architect. He was a horticulturist. He was a farmer. He was an irrigation engineer. He was a manager of laborers. He was a cattle rancher. He was the wealthiest man alive. He was a patron of the arts, particularly singing. Now, I'm just going to let you all in on a little Clay Jackson fantasy. I would love it one day, if I really knew what I was doing, to have one of those patons and a penguin suit, I mean a tuxedo, and stand up there on the dais. I've never told my wife this. She's really scared what I'm going to say. And I'd love to have a wonderful orchestra in front of me and hundreds of singers, wonderful singers. And I'd love to conduct a symphony with a chorale and, and, and a chorus in front of me. I would love that. But I don't know the first thing about it. I could say one, two, three, here we go, 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 and that'd be about it because I don't know music well enough, Nancy, to do it. But if I could, that'd be one of my dreams. I would love to have a green thumb and be able to plant my garden. You walk by and go, there lives a master gardener. You drive by my house, you probably say what my wife says. There lives somebody who just stuck something in the ground and hope it grew <laughs> because I'm not great at it, but I wish I were. Solomon mastered all of this. He was, he was a stupendous achiever. Your resume is nothing compared to his. Neither is mine. And after all of that, he says there's no new thing under the sun. In, in, in other words, nothing interests me. I've had my fill of it all because there's nothing that excites me anymore because everything I've seen has disappointed. In our initial analogy from last week, Every time I put my hands on the steering wheel, within a month, I'm tired of driving. 
and I don't want to drive that car anymore because it doesn't have that new car smell. Every relationship, can we talk about that in Solomon's life? Can we talk about what kind of, of cynicism drives you to want to have a thousand relationships because you can't find satisfaction in one? That's the kind of man that Solomon was. He, he, he wasn't satisfied with anything he experienced. I would tell you, I believe, because he didn't have the relationship with the Lord that his father had. That's what I personally believe. So he writes that there's nothing new under the sun. And yet, the Lord in the Old Testament, he leaves Solomon's voice there. He leaves Solomon's voice to testify, just like Haggard Halliburton that experience doesn't necessarily bring joy. And it doesn't necessarily bring wisdom. But the Lord doesn't leave that as the only voice. He gives hints of something else being afoot. He not only allowed Solomon to speak, but he caused Isaiah to speak. And the prophet Isaiah said, speaking as the Lord, behold, Isaiah 43 and 19, I am doing a new thing. With Solomon, we get an opinion, a report of his inexperience. But with Isaiah, we get a promise. The Lord says, I'm going to do something new. Solomon, you're saying there's nothing new to be done. But God says through Isaiah, I'm going to do something new. Nueva cosa. He then prophesies, you, my people, Isaiah 62 and 2, are going to be called by a new name, which the mouth of of the Lord will name. Now, what is the new name that was named by the mouth of the Lord? Matthew says, you will call his name Yeshua, Jesus, because he's going to save his people from their sins. I take no offense at being called a Jesus name person because my Bible prophesied that I would be called by a new name. If the worst thing you can call me is a Jesus-named person, you haven't insulted me. You've given me a high, high encouragement because I want to be called by the name of Jesus. And not only do I want to be called by that name, but I want to live in a way that brings honor to that name. I want to bring glory to that name. I want to bring praise and laud, and, 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 and I want to bring commencement, commendation to that name. Prophesied through the mouth of Ezekiel that a new spirit and a new heart would be given to them by God. In Ezekiel three times. So God's going to do a new thing. We're going to be called by a new name. We're going to have a new spirit. And we're going to have a new heart. The new thing that God was doing would not come through the tired old methods and philosophies and religions of men. It wouldn't come through the achievements of trying to build a tower to heaven like the Babylonians did. It wouldn't come through reaching for what didn't belong to us like Adam and Eve did. But it would come through one who split heaven wide open and came down onto this earth and who said, I'm going to do something new that you've never seen before. Because no man has seen God at any time. But Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. How do you say show us the Father? Because God put on skin and his name was called Jesus because a new thing was happening under the sun. A new thing was happening under the sun. A few hours before they took him away to atone for every sin of every person that was tired and weary of the same old ways in which the pristine image of God had been marred and smeared. 
that son lifted the chalice in the upper room and he said, this cup, watch the adjective, it's the new covenant with me in my blood. I want a new heart. I want a new spirit. I want a new name. You can have it. You ever been in a shop and they said, it's going to cost you. I want a new heart. I want a new spirit. I want a new name. In the eternal shop of salvation, Jesus didn't turn to us and say, it's going to cost you. He looked at us and said, it's going to cost me. It's going to cost me to give you a new name. It's going to cost me to give you a new heart. It's going to cost me to give you a new spirit. But here's the wonder, Brother Martin. He said, I'm willing to pay the price. I'm willing to lay down my life. I'm willing. This is the new covenant, and it's in my blood, not yours. You don't have to pay for it. You just have to receive it. You just have to believe and be faithful and obey because I'm doing a new thing. I'm going to call you by a new name. I'm going to give you a new heart. And if you'll go to Jerusalem and tarry, I'm going to give you a new spirit. Peter stood up and said, it's available to everyone, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. I want to make a bold declaration today, and I want you to hear me today. The new spirit of Christ is not available as a baptism for super special Christians or the saints that live and walk and they never have a bad thought and they never think a bad thing. No, 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 no. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, baptizado in el Espíritu Santo, es por todos la gente. It is for everyone. It's for everyone to receive the baptism of the Spirit because this new thing is available for everybody. Brother Willie, I know you know it's true because you've been filled. Jesus looked at that little band of brothers and he invited them to enter that new covenant through the new birth, being baptized in water in his name and being baptized in his Spirit on the day of Pentecost. We read it last week. Paul proclaimed that when a person takes on that new birth, he becomes a new creation in Christ. 2 Corinthians 517. He reiterated in Ephesians 4 and 24 and Colossians 3 and 10, and he challenged his disciples. He said, put on the new man. Put on the new person. Anybody go outside this week? You went outside? Unless God transported you through these walls, you did go outside, okay? So I, I, you know, a good lawyer knows the answer before he asks a question. You went outside, I guarantee you, you kind of did like Martine. You probably put a coat on because you knew it was on, it was cold. Put that sweatshirt on today so it could stay warm. When you step outside, it's a good idea to put on Christ. When you walk through the door of your threshold of your house, it's, a good, it's good to put on Christ before you greet your family. Putting on the Lord, putting on the new man is the way that we have new things happening in our life. The witness of Ecclesiastes is the wisdom of a Stoic who's been there, done that, not only has a T-shirt, but has worn holes in it. That's the witness of Ecclesiastes. Nothing new to see here. No news is bad news because the same old, same old is a pathway to a meaningless existence and the leveling sleep of death where all the doers of deeds, foul and noble, lie in the same state of being soon forgotten by the next generation of people treading the same tired circles of folly playing with tinker toys in a sandbox. That's the picture of vanity that Ecclesiastes paints under the sun. Shakespeare said, we're making much to do about nothing. And tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow creeps in this petty pace from day to day 
to the last syllable of recorded time, and all our yesterdays have lighted fools the way to dusty death. He wanted his light to go out, brief candle. Life's but a walking shadow, a poor player struts and frets his hour upon the stage and is heard no more. You've heard the famous line, a tale told by an idiot, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. Solomon and Shakespeare telling you none of it means anything. It's all just the same old, same old. Well, you can side with Solomon. You can side with Shakespeare. But I'm going to bank my eternity and my life on the Savior. I'm going to believe what he says when he says I'm making all things new. Because if Solomon is right, i got some mistakes I can't erase, Brother Mark. If Shakespeare is right, I'm not smart enough to figure it out and give my life meaning and leave a legacy for my family. But if Jesus is telling the truth, anything is possible. If the resurrection is real, anything can happen because God really is making all things new. The witness of the New Testament is something entirely different, something fresh and exciting and inexhaustible in its creativity and in its novelty and in its worth. Instead of signifying nothing, that message is dignifying everything that hears it and obeys. Everything is new in our world through the resurrection power of our Lord. And everything is renewed in our lives when we are baptized in that resurrection power through the infilling of the Holy Spirit. What God did in the body of Jesus by raising him in power he is now doing in the church hebrews called it this says we're part of a new and a living way i'm not part of the way of death i'm not part of the old kingdom i've been translated by the love of jesus into the kingdom of the old dear son i'm not under the sun kingdom anymore i'm under the son kingdom today and my citizenship is in heaven there's a new thing being done in my life there's a new power that's working within me because there's a new name like the song says that's been written down in glory when it's all said and done, it won't be what Brother Richard read that rules the day. But it'll be what Sister Carla shared with us that rules eternity. When the Lamb takes the throne of authority in the middle of, get it? New Jerusalem. He named his city after a new thing that he's doing. And he's going to sit down in the middle of his new city. And he's going to say in the new earth, his capstone statement is this. Behold. I'm making everything new. As Yahweh, he said, I'm going to do a new thing. But as Yeshua, he said, I'm doing it right now. Here's the good news, church. You don't have to wait till you get to heaven for God to make everything new. You can start with that new life today. Well, I've been baptized. I've received the Spirit. But I don't see a lot of newness. How about you just take all of your life and you put them in your hands. You keep those hands open by God. And you just put it before him. You say, Lord, tear it up if you have to. But just do what you want to do. Do a new thing in my life.
Lord, if there's somebody that needs to be healed before me laying hands on them. If there's somebody that needs to be encouraged by me, send them a text or a phone call. If there's somebody that needs to be taught the word of God, I'll teach them. Lord, if there's somebody that needs to be brought to the house of God, I'll bring them. If there's somebody who needs help, I'll help them. Lord, do a new thing in me. Would you stand with me today? God is doing a new thing under the sun. And we are under the sun today. Not the sun in the sky of the old experience of humanity. But we're under the S-O-N, the sun that is the Lord of the sky. He's the Lord of the heavens. He's the Lord of hosts. He's the Lord of hell. He's the Lord of earth and everything in between. And because we exist under his firmament and his power, everything is renewed. Now, I don't know if that means God's going to give you a facelift. He hasn't seen fit to do that for me. I, I look every, you know, they say by man, by the time a man gets 40, he's earned the face he wears. I've earned mine plus some. But I can tell you, although it may not look like it on the outside, God has done some new things in me. I've got the family to prove it. I don't deserve the family I have, Brother Willie. I don't deserve the blessings I have. But God did something new in my life. I can look at this congregation today and I can prove it. There are new things that are happening in Arlington. And I don't deserve a chance to see this work brought up from the ground up. I don't deserve a chance to help be a leader of revival in our city. But God has planted me here and he's planted you and 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 all of you to do a new thing in the Lord. Why don't we just... Those of you that are in the room, we're going to come forward in just a moment and pray for the Lord to continue to do new things. Yes. If there's something old and worn out and you want it to be changed, and you're tired of the same old problems, the challenges, and weaknesses, ask the Lord to do something new. And if you say, Lord, it's been a while since I've led anybody to knowledge of you. It's been a while since I feel like I've been helpful or in encouragement. Why don't you ask the Lord to do something new? This week, there's plenty of people hurting. I believe he'll direct you to one of them. You'll say, Lord, do a new thing in me. Those of you online, if you take a moment, just pray with us right now that God will use you in power and God will use you in glory. Which son dominates your life? The son of human experience that sits in the sky and oversees all of our foibles and our trials to bring heaven down to earth through our own experience or the son of righteousness with healing in his wings the very son of God the son of man our savior forever Jesus is his name and he's making all things new beginning with your life if you'll submit to him and trusting obedience to his covenantal opportunity of living in promise and renewal oh friend I want to see what's new under the sun. I want to place my entire life under his governance and his lordship because he's proven to me time and again that he does indeed make all things new. Thank you, friend, for joining us at Arlington United.